The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, if you've just joined us for the first time, this is the show that champions entrepreneurs, startups, early stage, and in fact, all small businesses. And we're heard every week right around the world. And thank you for making us the number one radio show in the world for business. We appreciate it. A couple of weeks ago, I said that when we consider the great entrepreneurs of the past several decades... The first person that comes to mind, obviously, is Steve Jobs, who completely transformed the way we communicate with each other. But we should also add to Steve, Elon Musk. Now, after his successes with PayPal, you know, he set his sights on hugely ambitious endeavors outside of the internet, including things like electric cars and space exploration. Now, this guy doesn't think small. Well, now, we all know how successful Tesla has been, outselling the Mercedes, BMW and Audi leading models and producing what is now the best motor car on the road. Now, last week at the All Things Digital Executive Conference, which was held in Rancho Palos Verdes in California, Musk talked about the Hyperloop, which he described as a cross between a Concorde, a rail gun, and an air hockey table, an entirely new mode of transportation. Now, this boy does not think small. This vehicle will be propelled through tunnels via magnetic fields reaching an extraordinary 14,000 miles an hour. Now, Musk said that the Hyperloop vehicle could transport people from Los Angeles to San Francisco or Los Angeles to New York in less than 30 minutes. So much like PayPal did, much like Tesla's doing, the Hyperloop, when it comes to fruition, would literally change the world. Now, Elon said a couple of interesting things at this conference. He also said that he thought a lot of really smart entrepreneurs are spending too much time and too much money working on internet-related problems, which are relatively small. He thought a lot of these people should go into other areas outside the internet, 
because there are a huge number of industries that could use these entrepreneurial talents and skills. And while technology is creating extraordinary breakthroughs in science, medicine, communication and other fields, I can think of a huge number of industries where the technology and systems that are being used now are simply prehistoric. We need a totally new way of looking at a lot of these industries and I reckon the entrepreneur's suggestion is a good one. Now, each week here, we include a segment called Bob's Thought for the Day. You know, quotes that are designed to get us to think. And whether you're in a bricks and mortar store or you're in an online business, there's no question that the one element that differentiates a successful company from its competition is its level of service. To have a successful business, you've got to provide customer service that really knocks the customer's socks off. You've got to have them walking out of your premises or hanging up on the internet saying, wow, that was fantastic. What a great experience. And if you do, you know, you maximize repeat business, you create loyalty, you get these people then become advocates and sing your praises everywhere. That drives new customers. It increases margins and your return on investment while it minimizes your marketing and sales costs. So here are a few quotes about customer service from people who really know what they're talking about. David Yu says, it's much harder to provide great customer service than I ever would have realized. It's much more strategy and art than science. And it's not just about the facts, but how you convey them to your customer. Now, often people say to me, well, how the hell can customer service reduce your marketing costs? And Nigel Sanders says simply, every client you keep is one less you have to find. I've often said on this program that too many companies regard customer service as a cost center. You know, it's too bloody expensive, so why bother? When in fact, it can be a very substantial revenue center. And when you take that viewpoint, it's really remarkable what a difference that it makes to your performance. I'm just sitting here enjoying a cup of coffee, which reminds me of what Howard Schultz, the extraordinary CEO of Starbucks Coffee, said when he said, our mission statement about treating people with respect and dignity, it's not just words, but it's our creed. We live by it every single day. You can't expect your employees to exceed the expectations of customers if you don't exceed the expectations of of your employees. I think that's great. It's a great quote and it's so accurate. There's nothing so contagious as enthusiasm and you can only get enthusiasm if your employees absolutely love what you do. What they do, you know, you walk into into Starbucks and you feel like people are having a good time. And if you treat your employees really well, it comes back to you in spades. And one of the great customer service leaders on the planet is Disney. 
They do absolutely everything possible to give you a wow experience every step along the way. We are actually talking about it last night, about how great it is to go to Disneyland. You know, I'm an old codger, and I love going to Disneyland. I love seeing how people can combine creativity, fantastic customer service with making a hell of a profit. And uh, Disney does it better than anybody. And Walt Disney said, do what you do so well that your customers want to come back again and again and they bring their friends. That is fantastic advice. So next time you're thinking about customer service, think about how it can be a profit center and not a cost center and what you can do to give your customers a wow every single time. Now, this is the time of the year when graduates are out looking for a job and undergraduates are taking internships through the summer. Business Insider this week posed the question, what is the best predictor of success? Is it IQ, talent, social economic status, good looks, physical health, luck, or something else? I'm still amazed at the number of people who think it's luck. God, I've always believed the best way to be successful is to work smart, work effectively and efficiently, and really put in the hard yards. It comes back over and over again. But Business Insider says the best predictor of success is, wait for it, grit. And research shows that the ability to withstand stress and move past failures to achieve a goal is the best indicator of future success. The study concluded that IQ was not only was not the only difference between the most successful and the least successful. Some of the strongest performers do not have very high IQ scores. At West Point Military Academy, the key to success was not social intelligence, good looks, physical health, or IQ. It was again Grit, self-discipline predicted success more robustly than did IQ. They concluded that talent does not make you gritty. There are many talented individuals who simply do not follow through on their commitments and ultimately fail. Grit is usually unrelated to or even inversely related to a measure of talent. Now, people need to understand that learning and ability isn't fixed. There is life after failure. In fact, I reckon that you'll learn a hell of a lot more from your failures than you ever do from your successes. Now, it's also a time when people are out working in internships or just starting a new job. My son, Hunter, is working at Deloitte's in Washington, D.C. through the summer. And Deloitte CEO, Joe, I'm not sure how you pronounce this, I'll try it, Echeverria, says something quite different than grit. He says, at the end of the day, the way you dress and look impacts the way you're evaluated and promoted. It doesn't mean everything, but it informs the baseline impression that someone has. That's doubly true for people with their eye on a management role. Joe says the three reasons he got to be CEO is because 
he worked harder than everybody else. He's got three other tips for those wanting to be successful in business. The first is talent doesn't help if you don't work harder than everyone else. Secondly, find a mentor that will be honest with you about your shortcomings. And thirdly, you might have to work somewhere for free for a little while to get what you really want. Prove yourself by working hard and doing a great job. And Joe guarantees you that they will find a way to hire you and to pay you. Now, that advice sounds pretty logical, and it all makes a lot of sense. I get um, a lot of entrepreneurs complaining to me that um, it's really hard to raise investment capital for their businesses, and, you know, how should they go about it? Well, there's no question, raising funds is hard. So is climbing Mount Everest or trying to do anything that's worthwhile. Now, I find that one of the major problems is that the material they send to potential investors is woeful. It's all about them, how wonderful they are, how wonderful their product is, how this is the next billion-dollar idea. If you miss this, you're a fuckwit. And they don't give you any substance to back that up. Then they send you a business plan. Now, that's another 20 to 70 pages all about them. And then they wonder why they get a polite, thank you for the opportunity to look at your project. It is very interesting. But no, thank you. Go away. You know, like any form of sales, the person you're selling to is concerned about them. They're not so concerned about you. Now, most investors don't care whether they invest in medicine, solar energy, a new engine, or a new app. They want the best return on their funds for the least risk. They appreciate that, you know, with all new projects, there's a risk. In fact, the success rate with entrepreneurs is only about 3%, and they know that. So unless you can convince them that you're one of the 3% that might be successful, they would be bloody stupid to give you their money. The, no- the document that you've got to send them initially is a short overview which explains the project, the need for it, the potential. You've got to identify the market and then say clearly how you're going to penetrate that market. You've got to outline the skills of your management to reflect the skills required to achieve the goals. You need a risk analysis, projected financials, the investment required, and the return on investment. But this has got to be in a brief document that the potential investor can read through very quickly and decide whether he's interested in getting more information from you or not. Now, this is a totally different kind of document than your business plan. The majority of investors that I know throw business plans in the trash. Two reasons for this. One, they want to know what's in it for them and don't want to know everything there is possibly to know about you. And secondly, they're very busy and do not have time to sit there and read 50 pages of information from 20 people who sent them business plans today. 
You need to answer the questions that they've related, you know, the questions that they have that are related directly to investing. Now, we prepare a lot of investment documents here, and we can often spend weeks getting together an investment brief to present to potential investors. And usually, they need to be individually customised for an investor. Now, don't forget, this program is all about you, the entrepreneur or the small business person that's listening to the show, looking for tips on how to be more successful. That is what we are here for. The whole show is dedicated to assisting entrepreneurs. So if you have a question, please don't hesitate to email me directly at bob at bobpritchard.com and we will answer it on air or we will email you directly. So you're listening to the number one show in the world for entrepreneurs, the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. In our interview segment today, now we normally talk to, if you listen to this program regularly, we always talk to, you know, the hot shots, the guys that have made it, the guys that are really successful, the guys that have got best-selling books. But today, following an email I got last week, we're speaking with a new entrepreneur, Christopher Cooper, who's still working a day job and bootstrapping his entrepreneurial business. He's a great guy, a really good worker, and I think we can all learn a lot from Christopher's attitude and his experiences. That'll be on in just a minute. And this is Bob Pritchard. I'll be back after this short break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is the part of the show where we talk to entrepreneurs, people that have created a new product or a service, often bootstrapping it, combine it with a real job and their entrepreneurial ambition, so working all day and struggling at night, experiencing the highs and the lows, 
the joys, the frustrations, the disappointments and the rejections that all come with being an entrepreneur. Now, I usually speak with people who are already hugely successful or have got a new best-selling book or something like that. But today I'm going to talk to a guy who has invented a new product, is in the early stages of looking at getting funding and taking this product out to the world. We've got a lot of entrepreneurs who listen to this show, and most of you are in exactly the same position or understand what it's like or wondering how you can do it better than you're currently doing it. So I thought it may be interesting today to talk to a new young entrepreneur to get his perspective. Christopher Cooper is the founder of Cooper Product, and Chris is an innovative manufacturer of mobile device accessories. Now, with tablets and smartphones being the fastest-growing industry in the world today, Christopher certainly picked a pretty good industry to be in, and his timing is impeccable. Cooper Product was created just last year, following the invention of the original iSlip elastic and microfiber tablet screen cleaner. I saw it last weekend and he demonstrated it to me and it really is fantastic. And he's got a few variations of it, but we'll talk about that a bit later. Before manufacturing and launching the device, Christopher made sure he had his patents and trademarks in place. And that's something that so many entrepreneurs get wrong. And he also donates part of his profits to a number of great charities. Christopher Cooper serves as an active member of the Los Angeles Fire Department, and he is all round one hell of a good guy. So, hi Christopher, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. How are you doing, Bob, and uh, how are all of your listeners doing as well? We're doing great. This is this is a, a fun hour, so um, um, and we enjoy these interviews. So, why did you start the business, Christopher? Well, we started the business primarily because I'm coming to the end of my fire service career, right. and I'm anticipating transitioning into the private sector, and this is a perfect uh, transitional move for me is to get into the mobile and accessory space for iPads and tablets and, and that whole arena. So, so that, that's why we started the business. So how did it come about? Were you lying in bed one night and sound asleep and bing, the light goes on and you jump out and you grab a pen and paper and scribble it all down and off you went, you're an entrepreneur. Is that how it happened? Well, kind of. I ended up uh, being one of the early adopters of the iPad. In fact, I was one of the very first people in line there at the Apple store. Yep. And you know, looking at the device and how people use it, the coming weeks and the the months going on right after we acquired it, I kept seeing the same behavior over and over concerning the screen and that great innovation that Steve Jobs uh, applied to it, which is your touch screen. Mm. I kept seeing people trying to remove their fingerprints and trying to get grease and grime off and, you know, lunch when they're having uh, a meal with a colleague. And so I said, there's got to be a better way than, than what I'm seeing out there, which was primarily the, the cloth that they provide with the tablet. Yeah. I see that cloth dropping to the floor, and I see it you know, blowing off in the wind and all these other challenges that tablet users are facing. So it did. It came to me one night while I was uh, resting that you know, this is a viable solution, which was 
to combine rugged elastic and high-grade microfiber into the form of a band that would be a, a seamless, functional, fashionable part of your tablet. It's a great so, idea because my... Um I must admit, my screens, you need, you need x-ray vision to see through my screens. You know, <laughs> between the fingerprints and the spaghetti marks and everything else that lands on the screen. <laughs> so, well, you're right in there with uh, most of the population. You know, there's yeah, four no. different ways to put uh, data, enter data into these tablets. You can use your voice. You can use the keyboard. You can use a stylus. But the lion's share of people use the touch screen, and, you know, that application has created that fingerprint challenge. So you're right in there with the crowd there. Absolutely, Bob. This sounds disgusting, and I probably shouldn't shouldn't say it, but I read an article that said that the touch screens on a tablet have more germs than your toilet. (laughs) True story. That that is somewhat true, and that's one of the benefits of... uh, of the iSlip, the iSlip series. Just the fact that you're using microfiber, which is a scientifically uh, created uh, fabric that uh, kind of resembles the same shape as your windshield wiper on your, on your, on your automobile. Yeah. That shape is really, really antimicrobial in that it removes the germs, and in the process of removing the germs, as it wipes across the screen, it's generating enough heat to normally... Uh, provide that antibacterial uh, process that goes on that so many people need. And, you know, that is a concern that the filth and the germs and the the uh, bacteria on that screen is, is equivalent to some other unpopular surfaces that we know about. <laughs> okay, so let, there's loads of entrepreneurs out there and would-be entrepreneurs and yet-to-be entrepreneurs who have just thought of a great idea. Just walk me through, from the moment you had the idea, all the things you had to do to get to the stage where you've now got a viable business. So if you're an entrepreneur out there... Um, I'm sure Christopher could give you some pretty good advice as what steps you need to take to get um, your product to market. Well, it's funny, Bob. I had lunch with uh, Dr. Dre, the great uh, uh, hip-hop artist and and great entrepreneur himself, a number of years ago, about 10 years ago, and he uh, advised me when I asked him what his creative process was to place a tablet and pencil or pen next to your bed and when you uh, envision any type of innovation while you're sleeping or resting, you can uh, write that down. And if it's an actionable item in the morning, then you can act on it. Yeah. And that one particular little uh, uh, gem that I got from that gentleman has been the, the, uh, the hallmark of, of our company. In fact, uh, if it looks good to me in the morning when I use that process, I will go ahead and take action on it. And with this particular product, we were quick to uh, do a patent search and do a search throughout the uh, world system, and we came up with pretty much nothing. Okay. And as we proceeded, you know, that gave us the, the clearance to continue in our next step, which was to follow Robert G. Cooper's stage gate process. It's a seven-gate uh, process in which you develop products. Yes. And in that process, uh, we were able to devise whether or not we had a market. And as you know, the tablet market is something like 400 million units strong. And so we crossed that stage and got through that gate. 
And then the feasibility of it. Uh, we had to see if we could actually make a, a prototype or a sample in a, a cost-effective kind of way. And we pursued that, crossed that stage, got through that gate. Okay. And, um, stop, stop there just for a sec. So did you make the sample yourself or did you go to one of these innovations places that make samples for people or did you go off to China and get them to make a sample? How did you go about making a sample? Well, that's a great question, Bob. What we did is I made a sketch that we produced on right here on our computer yes. with um, Adobe Photoshop and I just took the rough drawings down to my cleaner because the... Uh, devices made of elastic and high-grade microfiber, right. we were able to take the drawings down to our cleaner, have them sign our uh, non-disclosure agreements, right. and she made the samples. She made about 10 samples for us right there. Oh, and right. Okay. I think, you know, she charged us, what, about 5 $6 per sample? Right. And from those, I was able to create some pictures and some, you know, do some tests in terms of durability and you know, feasibility with actual uh, use. Uh, I put together a small survey of uh, trusted people, right. and I had them survey the feasibility and the workability of the product. Right. It all came back uh, fairly positive, and from there we took our samples. And uh, my first intention, and even today, my highest hope was to get this product made domestically. Right. And so I surveyed seven different garment districts from the Canadian border right. all the way to Mexico and deep into the United States from the Pacific Ocean. In fact, I went all the way into Denver right. looking for a manufacturer that would make it here, Bob. It's not I easy, was unsuccessful. Yep. I was unsuccessful. I hear that all the time. I, I invested seven months of time into that endeavor and... Like I said, I was unsuccessful in many different ways from people explaining to me, you can't do it. Uh, they gave me quotes that were unreasonable. They said yeah. that, uh, you know, they could only make a non-finished product, and then I would have another business step with packaging and logoing. And yeah. so a very one familiar night, story, a very familiar I, story. One I night I did some research, and I sent, uh, I sent some quotes over to China. And I went to bed around 10 o'clock that night, and Bob, when I woke up the next morning, I had so many emails responding back in a positive fashion. They are fantastic, I, aren't they? they I are, couldn't read them all. Yeah, I think so, too many people going into business, and I hear it all the time, oh, you can't trust the Chinese, they steal everything, and the product's lousy and all that. And that's all a... Um, remnants of 20 years ago that may be true but today they are professional they are fast they are excellent they produce excellent products and the prices are terrific so um you know anybody that's interested in getting stuff manufactured in china i did a great interview with um a lady who um has a a um a business sourcing product in China. I, uh -huh. <coughs> excuse me. I might replay that again next week. You reminded me because it really is terrific. Yeah, I mean, it's you're absolutely right. I mean, maybe 20 years ago, 25 years ago, some of the concerns about intellectual property and quality and, uh, you know, I mean, you've really got to be thinking that if you send X amount of funds over to, you know, a foreign country that's not only... 
across a border, but a whole ocean away. You know, you've got to have some concerns about that. And we were and we were sending substantial, what I consider substantial sums of money. Mm. And uh, you know, the first time I actually produced a purchase order and and uh, actually sent it out, I was on pins and needles. And then you know, it went like clockwork, and I haven't really been concerned that much ever since. But yeah. well, uh, I, I know hundreds of people that manufacture in China, and none of them have mm -hmm. any complaints at all. So no. through this process. Um, what are the major challenge you've, challenges that you've faced and how have you overcome them? Well, obviously, sourcing well, product was one, but what other, products, what other problems have um, arisen that, and how have, you, how have you approached them? Well, the major challenge for us was getting funded. And initially, I was using our own savings account yes. to uh, fund the business. But once the uh, business plan kicked in, and once uh, the projections and the business plan started to take place, then we were able to show some relief to our personal funds and start to you know, pivot, if you will, in, in yes. a different direction with, uh, with okay. that particular challenge. Now, what that, what that did can for us... Can I stop you there just for one second? Sorry. Sure. Um, one thing I try to impress upon entrepreneurs is that you need to have a detailed... Um, realistic business plan. How important has your business plan been in moving forward with your business? It's been it's been huge in several different ways. Uh, one, in the fact that we were self-funded, that taught us to be frugal. Yep. And sometimes the frugality, you know, it wasn't really a benefit for us because we tended to, you know, cut corners and, and that kind of thing where we should have been uh, thinking on a more global and, a, and a, probably a bigger scale. Now, in terms of the, the business plan, what that did is it reduced everything down from a global sense down to a local sense yes. in that I had to reduce to paper the, the people that I'm associating with, my designer, my web designer, uh, myself, uh, my attorney, my patent attorney. Um, you know, all these people are part of our action team, yes. and by detailing the personnel, that was a great benefit in having that element of the business plan. And, you know, the other portions of it, the marketing uh, portion, uh, really helped us a lot in the beginning because we could have gone uh, down some roads that uh, weren't appropriate for the size of business that we are. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you know, the financial projections are always important. So um, also the, 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 the one part of our business plan that, I really like to talk about is the, the, the uh, philanthropic part where we actually uh, donate a portion of our funding to, you know, different organizations that are in need, you know, showing that, you know, we're not, um, uh, we're humble and we're, we're de definitely concerned about the welfare of others in this, in this society. I think, so, that's, I think that's very important these days because I think the consumer these days um, does have a social conscience and really is sure. interested in, in working and buying from companies that um, have the same values that they have, and I think that's really important. Well, you know what that did for us is because we were unable to uh, create our supply chain and our production chain here in the United States, it allowed us some some you know, relief in our heart about what we're doing. But also, 
we broke down our supply chain, and in it we create jobs all along the way in that when we're importing, there's a pilot that's flying the plane, you know, to bring the product into the United States or some administrative clerks. There's, uh, we've got a UPS driver, a FedEx driver. So inadvertently, we're creating American jobs as well. And, um, you know, that's spelled out in our business plan as well. Right. So, but, um, yeah, it, it is crucial. I'm currently, it's a living document. And so we're currently in the process of, of uh, reviewing it and updating it. That's really for, important. Uh, Having a living definitely. document is really important. So many people write a business plan and they use it to raise funds or whatever and they never, ever look at it again. Um, and mm. then, and the trouble is if you don't keep referring back to your business plan, you tend to um, go off on tangents and without thinking how does this fit into my long-term goals and you get yourself into all sorts of trouble. I've only got one criticism of you about your marketing plan is you didn't hire me to do it for you. That's the only complaint that I've got. Um, <laughs> but um, I must admit your um, uh, website is really simple. I think it's. I think it's a good site. I, I I like it. It's very simple and uh, easy to read. Gets the message across very easily. Um, how much work went into creating that website? Well, we we have a designer who's actually uh, it's his second job, but we that's the third website that we've created for this business. Right. Uh, we've moved it from different hosts and different platforms so that we can have a better quality experience for the customer as well as, you know, for our web designer. Yeah. Uh, he's a full-time airline pilot. Right. And uh, he does our website in his spare time as well on the side. But, um, yeah, we put a lot of time and a lot of thought into the website. And, of course, you know, uh, flattery is, is, is best exemplified by, by copying, so we went and around and looked at some best practices out there, yeah. and we just imported them into our site instead of, you know, reinventing the wheel, if you will. You so. know, you know what I really think is very important that you guys have got nailed: free shipping. The first thing you do when you go onto the site, you see free shipping, and free shipping can increase. This is for everybody listening. If you've got free shipping and it's prominent that will increase your sales dramatically because we're all used to the thing where you, it, it's like these online things, buy one, it's $10, if you ring now you get two for $10 and you know, they'll throw in a set of steak knives and, and you know you can have Cuba as well if you buy three and then you find that the shipping and handling is like $35. Sure. <laughs> Free sure. shipping is really important and that's great. Now, what other obstacles, any other obstacles that sort of come to mind that... Um, would be good information for an up-and-coming entrepreneur? Sure. Uh, one of the key features of our, of our firm is the fact that we try and outsource as much as we can because yeah. our time is valuable sure. and we have a core set of skills that we have. Yep. And in certain areas, you know, I don't, at this point, I want to be uh, aware and I want to have a background in logistics but I don't really want to specialize in fulfillment. No, I agree. And so we have outsourced fulfillment, and we've outsourced the intellectual property aspect of it, and we've outsourced several other aspects. Uh, recently, we, we, we just reacquired our responsibility for public relations, but we had that outsourced as well. So what I'm saying to the 
uh, budding entrepreneur is many of us, you know, we want to work a full-time job or go to school full-time or, you know, whatever the case, and then, you know, come back home or come back to your to your office, wherever it may be, and, you know, try and ship product out or try and ship out uh, um, uh, whatever it is you're selling or whatever it is you're offering. In our case, you know, we're trying to sell 10% of $400 million. So, you know, I, I really don't have the physical wherewithal to complete fulfillment. No, so we I, outsource I agree. that. And, and, and you know what? It actually works out when you do the sums and take into account. You know, most people, when they do costings, seem uh-huh. to miss most of the things that actually cost money. So when you do right. your costings correctly, you find that outsourcing fulfillment actually saves you money. And right. um, it, it's really good. So where is Cooper product going from here? What What's the next step for you guys? Well, the next step for us is to keep releasing the Islip lights and the uh, various uh, uh, categories that we have. We have the original Islip, which is probably going to uh, see its service life come to an end real soon. And then we have the Islip Tough, which is still our number one seller. We have the Islip Tough Camo. We have the Islip Light, which is yep. our latest release. And then we're launching uh, very soon, I think probably within the next 30 days, a uh, product known as the Islip Leather. And that's going to be a luxurious uh, uh, offering of our Islip Light designed for the coach market and the, the uh, D&G and, you know, the people that are, are uh, like me, well enough got, to yeah, yeah. I've got well, a leather. You know, focus, I've got a leather focus, case focus. and a leather, you know, black leather would be great. So I'm looking sure. forward to receiving it from you. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> and that's that's one of the directions we're going. The other direction is what we want to do is we'd like to license the product out and either uh, find an established case maker, and there's about four or five of them out there. Have you stopped doing have, that yet? Yeah. And ask them to, uh, you know, license our product as an add-on accessory to their case. And now are you doing and, uh, that? Are you, you doing that yourself, or are you, do it, you using a, um, a specialist in licensing? Because um, if you've got a specialist in licensing, you can often do much better than I have, I've seen a number of examples where people have used a, a licensing specialist and done much better financially right. in the long term than actually doing it yourself. Um, yeah, in fact, we, we do have one, and he's, uh, he actually approached us. Yeah. Uh, you know, I met him informally at a trade show, and then they approached us later on. Mm. And, you know, after back and forth for a couple times and negotiating, we finally came to a deal. Oh, but, uh, yeah, they're going to represent us. And, in fact, I'm going out to see them uh, next month in Las Vegas, and we're going to hopefully, you know, beat the the trade show circuit out there looking for a license for the product. But uh, in case, you know, you always have to have plan B. And so, you know, that's plan A, and we also have plan C. But plan B is to create our own case line with our slip cleaner as an inherent part of that case, which would be a separator from the other generic cases that are out there. But, you know, and and if plan A... We're hoping and praying for Plan A. We, we really like to do that one because uh, Cooper Product has a portfolio of other products, and we'd like to we'd like to pursue those as well. So, 
Okay. That's where we're going in the in the near future. In the far future, uh, I'm probably going to be retiring from the fire department yep. uh, soon, within the next one to five years. Mm-hmm. And you know, when that happens, I, I it's my my fondest wish to have an office to go to every day, and you know, maybe take afternoons off and you know enjoy the the fruits of being a a, a innovative uh, product developer. So. Christopher, thank you very much for joining me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. I really do appreciate it. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Christopher Cooper and the Cooper product, you can look him up on the web at cooper-product.com. Now, I have actually got this product, use it every day on, on all the devices that we have. It is a ripper. So go on to cooper product Dot com and get yourself an slip. They are terrific. So remember... Well, thank you, Bob. Thank you. Remember, the Bob Pritchard Radio Show is the place for interviews with the leaders and the movers and shakers in American business, entertainment and sports. Christopher, I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow and I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show right after this short break. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible bob pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight talking troubleshooter for fortune 500 companies and smes across the world whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore. Or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's Bob at BobPritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking, No Bullshit Business Show. And we're coming to you again this week from my hometown of Los Angeles, where the weather, as usual, is absolutely perfect. Now, if anybody listening to the show is interested in the movies, I went to the premiere in Hollywood last week of Now You See Me which despite the panning it received by the critics, I don't know what these critics drink, I thought it was a great movie. It was terrific to see it come in at number two at the box office last week after Fast and Furious 6 or Fast and Furious 23 or whatever the hell it is, which you'd expect to top the box office. It is a good franchise. So do yourself a favour. Don't let the critics put you off. Go along and see Now You See Me. It really is good. You won't regret it. I guarantee you. Now, before I get to the emails, I just wanted to 
shout out to the kids from George Washington University School of Business who are in Phoenix, arrived today, which is where this radio network hails from, and uh, they're competing in the final of the American Advertising Federation competition at America Competition at the Biltmore in Phoenix against 12 other colleges that all won their regions across the country. My son is one of the 13 in that team, so I just want to say good luck, team. Go GW. Um, I'll be down there in the morning, and I hope that um, we're going to have a big celebration at the weekend. Okay, now this is this part of the show where we bring you emails from our listeners from all around the world. And uh, no matter where you go, I just got a booking today in um, Mumbai, and I've got another one in LA in about a week, and in the UK in about three weeks. And no matter where you go in the world, when you get to question time, Everybody asks you the same question. It doesn't matter what language they ask it in or what country you happen to be in. All businesses right around the world, irrespective of what they do, all have the same issues. So I love this segment because it helps a lot of people while helping one specific person. Now, last week we received an email from Mario Spagnoli from Madison who thought it would be beneficial to a lot of people if I interviewed someone who has an idea and bootstrapped it to get to the stage where an investor was interested. Well, Mario, your wish is my command, and I hope you enjoyed my interview with um, Christopher Cooper today. He epitomizes exactly what you're talking about. This week's first email comes from Bradley White from El Paso in Texas, and Bradley says, Bob, thanks for a very informative show. Since we've been listening to you, The fortunes of our business have really turned around. We have about 50 employees, and I guess like any business, some are fantastic, most are okay, and a few just seem to be negative and often create unnecessary dramas. You talk about having a united, cohesive team. How do I actually achieve that? Well, dear Bradley, firstly... Wow, thanks for that great compliment. I really appreciate it. Um, Not enough people give you compliments, and I really do um, appreciate those kind words. Bradley, it takes all kinds to make a company run smoothly. But if you've got a few bad apples in there, they can spoil the organization in a big rush. And business today is hard enough, battling with the people outside the company without battling for any, with anybody inside the company. And the longer you wait before you give them the flick, the, long, the more damage that they're going to do. Now, in my experience, there are seven kinds of people that you simply have to get rid of. No ifs, no ands, no buts. Get rid of them and sooner rather than later. The first one of these is the troublemaker. When employees create more problems than they're worth, when the damage they do is more than the achievements that they have, then it's time to cut them loose. Secondly, get rid of employees who overpromise and underdeliver. Some people have such an 
overinflated opinion of themselves that they either think they can do anything or they crave the attention by making big boastful promises. But when they can't deliver on a consistent basis, throw their asses out on the street. Don't keep them around. Thirdly, get rid of staff that act out with customers. I don't care if you've got a small business or a Fortune 500 company. Customers are hard to get and they're very easy to lose. The one thing you don't need is an employee who doesn't realize that business is all about the customer. The customer is the only person that counts, not them. So in the words of Donald Trump, anybody who acts out, you're fired. The fourth employee that needs to go is the one who can't or won't do the job. You employ people to do a job. You need them to be clear about what their job entails, give them the tools and the training that they need to be able to do the job, and then if, after a few chances, they either can't or won't do it, then you've probably given them one chance too many. Get rid of them. You know, some people look the part, but when push comes to shove, they, you can't count on them to get the job done or even sometimes to show up on a regular basis. Now, this is the fifth type of employee that has to go. The sixth type of employee you need to fire who those who believe they are entitled. This is, the, you know, this is a type where half their mind's on the job and the other half's waiting for somebody else to screw up so they can whine and complain and maybe even threaten litigation. Get rid of them immediately. They might sue you, but if you've given them the appropriate warnings, screw them. The final type that I recommend firing immediately are those that don't observe the corporate culture. You know, it's critical that you have a strong corporate culture and everybody's on the same page. And so if they continue not to observe the rules, walk them straight out the door. Now, people are always complaining about how stressful their job is, but in my experience, there's nothing more stressful than having to deal with employees who aren't cutting it and that drag down the whole organisation. So quit thinking about it and just get rid of them. You'll sleep better at night and I guarantee you so so will everybody else on your team. Bradley, I hope that answers your question. As we do for everyone whose email is read on the air, tomorrow we will send you a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition, my latest best-selling book out on Wiley, it's a great book, even if I do so, so myself. It took me about seven years to write it, and uh, I'm very proud of it. My second email this week, I don't think I'm going to get through, but we'll give it a shot. It comes from Abigail Hudson of Irving in Texas. Abigail writes, Dear Bob, thank you for the information that you provide us each week. It is extremely valuable to we small business owners. A couple of weeks ago, you said that when you are creating advertising messages, you need to focus on emotion not benefits or features. Can you give me an example of this? Abigail, science has shown that all decisions that we make are made emotionally. Then once we've made that decision emotionally, your mind then tries to justify the decision pragmatically. And if it does justify it, then you proceed with the decision. And if you can't justify it pragmatically, then you usually decide not to proceed. 
However, if your subconscious has already decided that you really want it, then your conscious mind will really try hard to justify it. So it stands to reason that when you're selling a product, if you can get your potential customer to decide in their subconscious mind they want your product, then you're much more likely to get the sale. So the question then becomes, I guess, how do you get a positive decision in your potential customer's subconscious mind? So you need to make an emotional link between yourself or your product and your customer. If you look at um, Johnson's baby powder, they focus on a loving relationship between a mother and baby. They don't focus on the baby powder at all. Meanwhile, all of the competitors all tell you how absorbent their baby powder is. Johnson & Johnson win that competition hands down because people are much more interested in having a great relationship with their baby than how absorbent some powder happens to be. It makes the emotional connection. If they told you about the composition of the baby powder and why it was so absorbent, which is a feature, or even that it's more absorbent than anything else on the market, which is a benefit, neither are anywhere near as powerful as the image that's conveyed with an emotional connection. So Abigail, that's what you need to focus on, the emotional benefit of your business, not features and benefits. Abigail, tomorrow we'll also send you out a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets. I'm sure it'll be a big help with your business. If you're a regular listener to the show and are benefiting from the advice that my guests and I give you each week, please tell your friends to listen. Go to my website at bobpritchard.com and subscribe to my monthly newsletter. It's coming out this week for June. Send in your questions, email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and follow me on Facebook, Twitter and Google+. And don't forget to be my friend on LinkedIn. I hope you've enjoyed the show. We're pleased to have been bringing you this show since 2011. It's a heap of fun each week. And um, I'll be with you at the same time next week, no matter where you are in the world, to address the critical issues that affect small business everywhere. Thanks for listening to The Bob Pritchard. No bullshit business radio show for entrepreneurs. And remember, if you're serious about being successful, this is the place to come every week at the same time. This is Bob Pritchard. And I hope you have a fantastic week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.